Yeah, we're recording. How's it going, guys? First of all, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I'm sat in a room with so much talent right now. My heart's going like the clappers. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just brilliant. Like, um, I, the first time I ever had someone kind of sort of fame come and, and speak to me was when Charlie came around my house, and I got a lot to thank you for because I'm a lot calmer now. You know, I can speak to people. And, you Did know, you ask me to come around? <laughs> <laughs> I just discovered where Alex lived. And that was In fact, it. I've left him alone since. <laughs> Besties now. Um, it, was, it was one of the most, it was quite an awkward interview at first because I, I kind of. Yeah, for podcasters, I hit a wall, and I just I forgot what I was talking about, where I was, and uh, and Charlie was kind of like, "Come on, guys, you do this. <laughs> this is this Charlie is round two. Usually, have any problem talking? So no, 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 no. Yeah. This is talk about me. Ask him any questions. Just sit back and let him go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've called this uh, the the comic salopia slobber knocker because uh, there's so many of us here to talk about the same subject, and uh, it's going to be quite fun. It's going to be. We're going to be doing um, a little bit about, um, we're going to get into a bit of detail with comics, uh, but it's more of an introduction to Comic Salopia, what it's about, what you guys do. So what I thought I would do is to go around the room, uh, start from over here and just introduce yourself. Uh, what you create, you know, what you're responsible for. <laughs> All right, well, we'll start with me then. Uh, I'm Christian Ward. Uh, and I'm a, a comic book artist. Uh, I've done uh, Black Bolt for Marvel, Thor for Marvel, and I'm currently working on a book called The Invisible Kingdom, Dark Horse Comics. Cool. Oh, I'm Robbie Morrison, a comic writer. Uh, I'm probably best known for creating and writing The Adventures of Nikolai Dante for 2000 AD about a womanising Russian swashbuckler in the 25th century. Uh, I've also courtesy of um, one of our other guests, uh, written quite a bit of Judge Dredd in my time and uh, also collaborated with another, yet another guest here on a graphic novel called White Death. Yeah, mm -hmm. sounds amazing. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> hello. <Next>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, my name is Charlie Adelard. Uh, and I'm best known for being the artist on uh, a little zombie comic called The Walking Dead. Uh, but uh, Worked with Robbie as well on quite on Nikolai Dante, a few <coughs> bits there, uh, White Death. Uh, we will be working together again on, on a, another project at some soon. Um, and yeah, yeah, lots of other stuff Stop. as well. <laughs> Fab, my name's uh, Dan Berry. Uh, I'm one of these indie cartoonists you might have heard about. Um, uh, I, I did a book, uh, came out last year from Top Shelf called The Three Rooms in Valerie's Head, and I'm working on a, uh, a sequel to that. Uh, I also teach comics in Wrexham, so I lead the course in illustration there. I've been doing that for 11 years. Uh, I run a podcast called Make It Then Tell Everybody and spend all my time drawing and talking about comics. Fantastic. Oh, I'm Sorry, Alex what, what was the name of your podcast? Make It Then Tell Everybody. <coughs> I thought you said Naked and Tell Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's the after dark. That's the underground one. It's a great concept for a podcast, though. I'm sat here naked and this is my podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley and I, I host the Shoes with Biscuit podcast and the Thor's Kin podcast. I'm John Wagner. I'm a comic writer. Uh, I write Judge Dredd, among other things, several 2000 AD characters, uh, but mainly I'm best known for Judge Dredd. Thank you. This feels like a therapy session. It does. Um, I also feel like a major underachiever, after all. <laughs> um, so I'm Shane Shebsey, I'm the organiser of the festival, 
Um, I'm also a, an artist in my spare time, and uh, I've published comics for about 25 years, organised fe um, festivals and conventions for about 12 years, and uh, also sing in a band. Of which I play drums in. Yeah. Yes. Cosmic Indeed. Rays. Yay. Buy our new album out soon. Yes. EP already available. Which, actually, <laughs> one of the songs is the uh, theme tune for the uh, Shrewsbury Biscuit. Yes. yes. It's great. It's not Bala Balarang, whatever. No, no. That, that was, was just a mistake on the CD. That was really yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. That was so, so funny. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, guys, for joining me. Um, Shane, we'll start with you. Like, What is Comic Solo? If you'd like to explain to everybody what it is. Okay, um, well, Comic Salopia is a town-wide free festival yeah. uh, that encompasses every type of comics imaginable. Um, so we're celebrating uh, web comics, indie comics, mainstream comics, um, manga, kids' material, um, all sorts of comics in every form, not just pieces of paper folded together, but if it's on your screen, it could be on walls, it could be anywhere. We're just showing that... Uh, comics and sequential art is an art form as opposed to a, a format and we're really celebrating that at the festival and uh, why do we do it in Shrewsbury why, why is this place ideal for comics alopia well the thing about Shrewsbury is apart from the fact that we all live here which is really handy <laughs> um, it's a beautiful town it's in the center of the country it is a festival town mm -hmm. uh, there are some amazing festivals here such as kids fest um, the, the book fest uh, folk festival uh, the Flower Show, all really well-respected festivals. So the town is a great festival town with a great tradition. Um, and it has some amazing venues as well, uh, which are ideal for a comics festival. Yeah. Got a really nice library, uh, the castle, uh, the square, all these venues that we're using, they're all ideal. And um, it's really easy for everyone to get to. Yeah, it's nicely compact as well, so it's mm. easy for people to get around. <clears throat> yeah. Got a really... You know, thoroughly understandable one-way system. Visitors from out of town will really enjoy. That's all part of the unique. It's all part of the discovering that one-way street. Yeah, like I did the set today. See the sights. But it's the great thing is on foot. I'll get that in. As John says, it really isn't far to go to all the venues. They're all in a very small space, so it's a nice and easy to navigate. With some festivals, you have to sort of trek from one side of town to the other. That's right, yeah. Mm. And if it snowballs, if it, if it becomes bigger and bigger every year, which we hope for... That's the plan. You're bringing more and more people into the town to see what we've got, you know? Yeah, it's showing... Yeah. It, it's it's a great way for people to come to... The, it's a great reason for people to come to the town. Yeah. You know, if you like comics or if you're just curious about comics or art in general or literacy, you know, great stories, because that's what comics are all about, telling stories... If you, if you like great stories, then it's a great festival for you to and attend. I've already been speaking to people that are part of other work that I do, the podcasts. That um, I've got a, f a few friends that from London that are going to come up to the, the, the podcast. They, they're going to travel up to see it. So you're going to pull people from all around the country. So yeah, well, all over the, the Europe, to be honest. We've had people buy tickets from Holland, France, Spain, Italy, a few from America even. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I think they were coming here anyway. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll swing by. We'll take that. We'll take that. Yeah. Mars. There's a couple of people come from Mars. Yeah. As well. <laughs> but they are coming here on the holiday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're coming anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, we're surrounded by so much talent in this town. This room is full of people, fairly local to us. 
and uh, it's a great advantage for us all and it is. it's not just uh, whoever's in this room there's lots lots more people coming there's a lot of artists involved not yeah. just comic artists either you know the mural artists um, a lot of writers uh, media people who are based here all academics as well yeah, yeah. academics yeah, yeah. yeah. We've got some great academics um, speaking at the uh, festival as well. That's going to be really ball good. dancing. Ball dancing. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> academics. That's the other one job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That, that's me. That's me. Um, and how is this going to differ from um, a different uh, Comic Con? Yeah. Well, it's not a con. Yeah. It's a festival. Yeah. So a convention is you know a bunch of people in a room who paid to get in that room. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, yes, you can pay for special events if you want to. But if you have, if you don't want to spend any money at all, you can still totally enjoy the festival, and it's a celebration. It's across the whole town, um, so you you can go meet guests, you can get stuff signed, you can take part in lots of free events, yeah. and really have a good time without spending a penny. Um, yeah. Go well, on, Charlie. What what we want to be is inclusive. <coughs> yeah. Mainly um, because most cons are well pretty much exclusive because yes. of the fact that you have to pay. So you have to be a fan to begin with. You know, most people who turn up, even whether it's San Diego Comic Con, the massive one in California, or a little town hall in you know a, a city or whatever, they're all they are all, all of the same type. You know, it's yeah. a it's a fan thing, uh, as, and obviously we want the fans to come as well. But that's kind of why we've got the paid events. But really, the free stuff is to introduce people to comics I think and to say look you know hey everyone look this is what we do and this is this is probably what you don't imagine if you imagine if you think comics are a certain thing think again because this is what we do you know mm -hmm. look at the variety look at what we do there's adult stuff there's kids stuff there's you know different Sometimes genres. Sometimes it just takes that spark doesn't it say so walk past John Wagner and be like that's the guy that made Judge Dredd I mm. want to do that how did you do that don't I? and then speak to John and they find out and that that can spur someone on to want to do this yeah you know, yeah, the, the, their first sort of introduction to the medium will be through a brand that they, they know. Yes. And we understand yeah. that. Um, but um, then there's a lot more. Then you discover more. Yeah. For example, my introduction to comics as a medium was Planet of the Apes. Because I used to get the old Planet of the Apes comics. That was, <laughs> they were the first comics that I read. Yeah. Um, and that was my introduction. Then I went on to Star Wars, Spider-Man. And it just, and then you realise there's there's loads more out there. It, you know, you're not trapped by one or two genres. So, in a nutshell, <laughs> this festival, you're going to be able to get get a look at what this is before you've even spent a penny. So you have to have yeah. a walk around and experience it. It's amazing, great yeah. idea. Um, I mean, like I've just come back from a comic con. I can't say her name. But you can say it. What, just okay. come back? Right, let's, MCM, let's work that one out then. Yeah. It was MCM, and I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. I've only just started going to Comic Cons. It's my second one. Probably the best one out of the two. But what I found, what I found was, is the only thing I had to say about it that I didn't like was, I felt like the comic book artists were pushed to one side a bit. They were kind of. Yeah on the right hand side and I thought, ironically it's called Comic Con as well yeah that's what yeah, I mean yeah. like, if it wasn't for you guys oh was it in London in Birmingham 
Oh yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. And if it wasn't for you guys and, and comic book artists around the world, we wouldn't have comic yeah. cons. So mm-hmm. I feel like the comic book artists should be treated like the rock stars. They should have. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah. we're biased. We should, we should put I, them yeah, in I think prison then. I'm in prison. I just feel like they should be there where the footfall is, where where people are walking by, so they get the inspiration, yeah. see the art. I just feel like that's 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 how it should be, you know, regardless of what. I don't think you'll get any arguments from anyone in this yeah. room. No, I don't think so. Either. <laughs> well, we, we also come from. We're, we're, it's kind of weird those shows because we come from a. We come from a different. For one of a better word, background. Because, yeah, most of the people that turn up as guests at those shows, whether they be you know actors, directors, or whatever, who tend to also all be associated with TV, mm-hmm. or film stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're all there to monetize as well mm. yeah they're all there signing stuff for money you know yeah. there and it becomes this really soulless thing where just you, you go mm. in there's just loads of cues and that's it and you, and, you know mm. and they build this thing as a great day out and you think well a great day out queuing yeah that's brilliant and um we, we kind of yeah okay you know we'll charge for sketches or something like that but you know, I, th- I think us us cartoonists, yeah, we kind of want to go there and uh, yeah, meet the fans and, yeah, and the, enjoy that experience. An element of giving something back yeah. to the fans, and they've made livings for us for many years. So the least we can do is turn up, say hello, chat to them about what we do, exactly, and yeah. not charge for signatures and things yeah. like that. Mm. It's, a, it's a great thing, and I felt really guilty because I could only go to Comic Con. For, for, two, for one day if I'd have stayed for two I would have gone round all the artists and spent a bit of time with them and, and spoke to them I really would have liked to have done that I think there would have been more of an opportunity to do that if they were right in the middle of the room where everybody walks by you know but yet you queued for two hours for the second stormtrooper on the left <laughs> yeah. yes that's right yeah. Yeah. shorter Cyberman than tall Cyberman yeah. <laughs> but together for the first time <laughs> so a lot of you guys uh, are Work for uh, independent, you know, independent comic books, and some of you work for bigger um, comic book uh, companies. What is the difference between working for someone, say Marvel or DC, or, or working on your own creation or something that's independent? What's the difference? Getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell, um, I think. Yeah. Well, we're all all of us around the table. We all are working, or have yeah. At least recently, we've all sort of worked on. Should we say what what we call creator own projects, which yeah. are the projects you own mm. as opposed to other people's projects? Like if you work for Marvel or DC, you work for them. Yeah, you know, their their creations. You know, you get paid fairly handsomely for it, but it's almost like they pay you off because you've got no say in in the direction of the character or how how that character works or anything like that. You're just basically paid a page rate, and you know you do the work. That's it. That's your involvement, which is fair enough. You go in there, eyes wide open. That's fine. But obviously, when you're creating your own stuff, you know you're in full control. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know it's so long as it's it does okay. It's mm. obviously a much more preferred uh, thing to do. Does it add pressure to you guys as creators if you are? So you've worked on the X Files and Doctor is Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you've got a fan base for it that. Are, are expecting to, the character to look a certain way and to act a certain way. Does it add a lot of pressure on you to get it right? 
Uh, well, when I took on Doctor Who, it was because <coughs> they, uh, Peter Capaldi had just been cast, I think. So I, I don't know that, but no, the, the way it works with licensed comics, because of everything was also top secret, they couldn't send me any of the scripts, they couldn't send me any of the... Well, basically anything, so I just had to work out how Peter Capaldi is going to play this. I just figured he's going to play like a grumpy Scotsman. <laughs> which, fairly accurate. Which, to be honest, I can do grumpy Scotsman. I think I can handle that. I can handle that quite well. So I just basically wrote it the way I thought. Well, I'd have liked to have seen it being played. Yeah, yeah. And everybody said you did a really great voice and he's really great job in his voice. Huh? Okay. And what about when you when you create something that that does snowball and become big like Dread? You know, something that that people from the beginning it set a tone. Um, do you feel like you have to keep going in that direction or can you just make changes whenever you like you know uh, I think the thing about a character that works is not to change it too much yeah. if it's working it's working yeah. for a reason if you if as a lot of people think that a character must have this arc where they travel from A to Z yeah. in this uh, strange character forming path but I don't agree with that like somebody like Dread, he's Dread, and that's it. He might change a little bit, but it's always going to be the essential Dread because if he, that's if what sold the his, comic. If he completes his story, there's no more comics. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I would like to kill him, change. but they won't let me. <laughs> uh, just, just to write that script, I would love to kill mm. Dread off, but uh, as far as continuing adventures go, He's pretty much the same guy he always was. Fantastic. Fantastic. I suppose you could say the end of his arc is his death. Because mm. mm. he's not going to change. Yeah, I, I, I felt that with a lot of the larger epic stories I was writing, I was sort of doing the grand old Duke of York thing. I was marching Dread up to the top of the hill. And then, because the story really couldn't change, marching him back down again. <laughs> and that's the one. <laughs> the way it goes, but you know, you, you have to do that. Yeah. He's he like Batman. Age. He is ages, though, isn't he? He is ages. Oh, yeah, we age so, him year yeah. by year. That's a, an interesting aspect mm. of his life, to yeah. seeing him become as decrepit as I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, how old is Judge Dredd now, then? I've got no idea. I suppose oh, he's right, yeah. in strict terms, he's probably about 80. <laughs> <laughs> but he's had a rejuve job. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got good genes. I'm signing up for one of them pretty soon. He's got a good job. It's quite hard to see. But it's, I, I can feed off that. I, I enjoy feeding off his ageing. And, yeah. and sort of Make him foul-tempered. Well, well, I sort of um, work out a lot of my own problems on Dread. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dread gets up and something wrong with his leg. He can't move it properly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was the around the room? I'll go around the room. What was the first comic book that you read that you were like, "I want to do this. This is for me." God, um, it's probably one that stands out to mind, right? I don't know if there was. I mean, I, I remember as a, as a lad when I first fell in love with comics. I used to get um, the old Transformers comic that Marvel UK used to do, mm. and that used to come through the, like the letterbox on a Saturday morning, and that was a real. That was when I. That was when I started to read comics. Before that, I just looked at them. Do you know what I mean? As a kid, I'd flick through them. But that was the first comic that I used to sort of 
read. I don't know whether that kind of sparked. I, mean, I used to, always used to kind of copy things from it, so I, I imagine it did. It kind of that was the the kind of the intro into kind of the wider world of comics. Yeah. yeah. Um, my granddad used to buy me the Hotspur and, and the Hornet every Saturday when I would go and visit it. This was before I could read, mm. so my, my, I would have to sit there and my, my granny would read them to me. And obviously my granny actually enjoyed a good chat, so she would be holding two or three different conversations with the rest of the family, all the adults there. At the same time she was <laughs> reading to me, so I would sit and bang the table and go, read on, read on! Uh, I suspect that's probably probably not exactly the right comic, but that's probably instilled in me a love of storytelling. And from that, I would imagine that's where it grew that I, I wanted to write stuff. Fantastic. That's really cool. I, th- I think, um, well, when I was about six, I have two distinct memories. Uh, one was my dad buying me issue one of The Mighty World of Marvel, which was... <laughs> uh, the British reprints of obviously the Marvel comics from the obviously the sixties, and it was the first time Marvel comics were being you know printed in sequence in the UK. Uh, and at the same time, uh, my dad used to go to a garage to fill up, you know, obviously his car with petrol, and they were running a promotion. And if you got enough points on your you know on, on filling up from this garage, you could get an Asterix book. So. And I loved both equally uh, at the time, um, uh, which has probably fueled my love of you know, American comics 50% and French comics, you know, fif- uh, the other 50%, because obviously at the time I didn't realise Asterix was you know, French. Mm, I just yeah. thought he was a British creation or whatever. But yeah, literally from that age, um, I was doodling before then, but um, from about six or seven, all I drew, drew then... Uh, were comics and my dad used to he he my dad had a few businesses and one of the businesses he did have was this news agent so I was fine with paper and biros wow. I had a plentiful <laughs> supply lots of comic yeah. books on the show exactly <laughs> fantastic I think it was mostly uh, Asterix and Tintin when I was a kid my mum had worked in Belgium um, when, when she was young and brought back all these like incredible French kids books and so we had these French kids books in the house that I couldn't read and didn't understand but they looked really different uh, and we had a bunch of Asterix and, and Tintin uh, in there as well and I remember thinking that Tintin was really inventive and Asterix was really adventurous and I really liked hmm. those two uh, those two sides of it and so I'd sit and I'd try and copy the drawings and try and mm. get them right wow. like with a biro or something and you yeah. can't really do uh, Asterix and biro <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not very well. Not, a, not with a high degree of fidelity. Let's say your first Asterix book, which one? Uh, the Gaul. Oh, just oh, started from the first wow. one. Yeah, yeah right. fantastic. Um, do I answer? Yeah, well, I, I like. Go on, then. <laughs> My first comic book annual was uh, uh, the Incredible Hulk, and that was when I was eight or nine, and then from about thirteen, I picked up Spawn. And was it one of those just? Annuals, British annuals. It was or... just a, one of those ones you buy at Christmas. Yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, Christmas yeah. annuals. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. I used to flick through it, and but I, I never really, I didn't get hooked. I got hooked up from Spawn, Spawn bought and I fell in love with it instantly. You know, and from then on, you know, I've been a big fan. John, uh, I suppose I got into comics when I was about fourteen. I was doing a paper round. And before we went out in the morning, we'd whiled away the time by reading all the comics on the shelves. 
And then as I walked around, I would continue reading other people's comics, <laughs> and shoving these tatty dog-eared things through their letter boxes when I was finished. And mainly they were the, um, the same as Robbie, the comics of DC Thompson, Hotspur, Hornet, Victor. Uh, and when I quit the paper round, uh, my sister started getting comics, and uh, Vic, uh, not Victor, Mandy, Judy, Bunty, and they were even better than the boys' comics. The stories were really good. Uh, uh, had a lot of emotional pull to them. Uh, really good characterization and plotting. And uh, uh, But I never dreamed that I could write comics until I actually got a job with DC Thompson's in Dundee who produced all of these. Yeah. And then uh, the idea came that, well, I'd like to leave DC Thompson's because they don't pay very much money, <laughs> but maybe I could earn a living freelancing. Wow. And that's how it all came about. <clears throat> well, I mentioned already that I used to write like the uh, Planet of the Apes comics. Um, but, you know, what inspired me to draw comics, it was probably uh, Miller's Daredevil. It's just the first comics that made me think, I want to do this, you know, I want to draw, I want to write, I want to create, because it was just a different way, it was the storytelling in those comics from the, I think it was early 80s, wasn't they, come out, mm. <clears throat> and it, that was the first time I thought to myself, yeah, I, I want to do this. Fantastic, yeah. thank you guys. Um, so, okay, so somebody's listening to this now, they want to make a comic book, they have an idea on the desk, what's the process? From having an idea to the idea of conception to getting it on a shelf, what is the process there? If we can go, if anybody has like a very short lots of different version. stages to that, isn't there? For me, step one is write it down. The idea, because you think, I'll oh, remember that. That'll be brilliant. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll be driving home or you'll be in bed or something. And you think, that's a great idea for a story. I'll definitely remember that. And you definitely won't. It dribbles <laughs> out of your nose and your ears while you sleep and then it's gone forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so, step one for me is to write it down, even if it's a dumb version of that idea yeah. um, so I've got notes in my phone that you know at the beginnings or bits of stories or uh, scenes or whatever and some of them are profoundly dumb really stupid <laughs> but you, you, you miss all the shots you don't take so you know you, you've got to capture them somewhere and come back to them Fantastic with a, advice, a, a yeah. clear brain I suppose advice. and where do you take this idea come on writers <laughs> uh, well, the thing with comics, sometimes actually, I mean, probably everybody has their own different process. I mean, I, I'll write a very different style of script. Actually, I won't write a very different style of script than John because one of the first he copies me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. One of the first comic strips I ever saw was actually one called The Bogeyman that John and Alan Grant had written. Uh, a fellow called John McShane who was the, the publisher of the Bogeyman at the time, um, showed me one of their scripts, so I kind of, oh, okay. That's the format, I, I can, so it, it won't be that. But everybody's a different sort of, obviously if you if you write and draw, then you'll probably, you might sit down and start doodling before you'll do anything, but coming at it from the writer's point of view, if I've got an idea, um, depending on how long the, the idea, whether it's a short thing or an epic thing, I'll certainly jot down a few notes, as Dan said, to make sure you've got the story down, just the initial idea, and then develop the story after that, mm. and then start going into a script form, which I usually try and, whenever anybody asks, I usually try and describe a comic script as being a bit similar to a film script or a television script, which 
most people will have seen yeah. or have some sort of the experience of, except you break it down into the individual images or the individual frames on the page. So it'd be panel one, Charlie stares at me intently because he's fascinated with what I'm saying. <laughs> panel two. Then, that was the glazed expression on my face. Charlie keeps case. staring unnervingly at me, beginning <laughs> to make him worried. Uh, and then with the, with the dialogue under it, I just uh, separate the dialogue from Fantastic. the panel and just keep working at it with that. But normally I will have sat down and, and written an outline as to where the story's going and how I would like it to end. If you have connections to a comic or an editor, there's a certain point where you want to run the idea by them because yeah. you don't want to waste a lot of time writing or drawing something that nobody's going to buy. Uh, so if you, if you have connections, you would run fairly early run something by an editor. If you don't, you might decide to work something up either on your own or with an artist or a writer uh, until it's at a stage where you could actually present something to a comic and say oh, I think this is sort of up your street have a look at it see what you think and this day and age everybody's a google or an email away aren't they you know mm. so yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, I, I I always say, well, people always come to me and say, how do, how do you do it? How do you work from you know, the blank page? Where do you get the inspiration from? And the advantage of being the artist is you don't have a blank page because you've got a script. Yeah. And so I have the inspiration. I've never sat at my drawing board and thought, Huh, how do I do this? Because there's something telling me what to do. You know. Are there images coming up in your head as you're reading the script? Or is it, is it a yeah. good thought process? It, it's, it's a very natural thing that as soon as I read the script, I start seeing how the page is laid out, how it looks. Um, and again, people also ask me, yeah, how do you, how do you, you know, where do you start with drawing a comic you know and you go well I start from top left and work down to bottom right it's as simple as that for me um, it's it's that simple a process um, because I've been drawing them for so long it's almost just this very intuitive process but it might be interesting from Christian's point of view because I know obviously we work slightly differently because mm. mine tends to be a more traditional approach whereas your which we, um, I was talking about this with Dan earlier this week, and we were, we were talking about how, as a, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively new to kind of the industry. I've, I've only been professional for 10 years, and I've only been full-time five of those. Um, so I'm still relatively quite young in the industry. Um, but what I found that the more I, the less I care about what I'm doing, the better it becomes. Yes. I don't mean that yes, I don't I care about yeah. it or I don't want to kind of want it to be good. You overthink it. You overthink yeah. it. Like my first few comics were terrible and took me so, ridiculous amount of times. So, I mean, I'd be spending two, three months on an issue mm. because it'd be like, oh, well, I want this yeah. to... You, what you tend to do is you tend to focus on it looking good rather than the storytelling being good. And those are two different things. And I think once you get into the flow of it, and what, what Charlie says is... is the more you follow the story and trust the story, the easier it becomes to draw it. 
Yeah. I no, think the true. thing about you know when you're saying you, you care less about it and it's better, I think of it as squeezing the kitten. Mm. Like you want to cuddle a kitten and you want to just stroke it, but you don't want to like love it so hard that it bursts. Mm. You know. Yeah. You, you want to, and I think well, that it depends when you, whether you like cats or not. <laughs> 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 if, you, if you like the insides or the outsides. Of cats, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> no, it, 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 sorry, Robbie. It, it's true though what Christian says. Yeah. It's um, the. The best thing for an artist actually working in this industry is a deadline yeah. because it does focus you. And if you know, like, for instance, The Walking Dead is your standard 22 pages, so you've got to draw 22 pages a month plus a cover. So if you know and you sit there and what, what I do is, you know, I kind of plan the month and think, right, I need to do this much pay, this, this many pages for this week, break it down to however many, whatever it is per day, whatever, keep, keep on track that way. So if you say to yourself, well, I've got to get to this point by the end of the day, you start editing yourself and go, you know, it's almost the that'll do sort of um, attitude. It sounds a bit laissez-faire, I know, but you've got to stop at some point. You could just keep going and overworking and, and spend days on one page. It's just not worth it. It really isn't worth it. It's storytelling at the end of the day. That's the important yeah. thing. Yeah. It's nothing to do with, with yeah, every not every single panel has to be some sort of Michelangelo style drawing. <laughs> One of my battle cries when I was before I was old and jaded and cynical about the whole things was it's all about the story because comics for the most part are collaborative. The script tells the story in one form and the artwork is telling the story as well. But mm. you have to you have to put them both together to get the the, the final finished story and if it, it is about the story that's what counts more it's like the artwork isn't more important than the story mm. the script strangely enough isn't more important than the no. story because both of them have to come together and merge and coalesce mm. and it's like that's where if you get a, a, a nice sort of working relationship with someone like Charlie and I work together quite often so when I write scripts this is good for me obviously when I write scripts I kind of know what Charlie's going to do hopefully or I think he does sometimes he'll surprise you I mean, I mean for the better, obviously. But, um, uh, I, uh, I've lost time, but I, I, will, I will tell there's one thing I remember actually when we did White Death. Mm -hmm. There's one point in White Death where I describe a scene of, of the soldiers come out of the trench and they throw the grenade and blah blah blah, and it's all very atmospheric. But I described it in quite a lot of detail. And I think White Death was probably the first thing we worked on, wasn't it? I think it was the first yeah. one, yeah. And yeah. I described how they threw and you see their shadowy forms in the fog as they throw mm. the grenade into the distance. <laughs> Charlie sent me the page. And basically, he had drawn a couple of close-ups of hands with grenades in them. <laughs> <laughs> so he changed what I ran, but it actually worked, it, it, it actually worked better because he focused on the it did actually work better in terms of the visual storytelling and how story works. So was the artist's nightmare when the writer writes, the army comes over yeah. the hill. <laughs> <laughs> on horseback, yeah, yeah. I always say to my artist, put a tree in the foreground yeah. so you can only see a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I bet you every single comic book artist will always, like you say, will either fill at least... If it's a full page drawing of something like that, we'll fill at least 
two thirds of that panel with one giant figure in the foreground yeah. to block out the rest of the army because yeah. we ain't going to draw all of that. You know, there's not the time <laughs> unless you're working for France when there is a time. Speaking, speaking as a writer, when you write stuff, I don't. I try to write things the way I see it in my head. And I think if you're writing comics, part of your job because what probably people don't realise is only a handful of people ever see the script. The editor sees the script, the artist sees the script, and probably the letterer sees the script. It doesn't really go. Mm-hmm. It's part of the process. It doesn't really go any further than that. But I try. I think as your job as a writer is to try and get into the artist's head and spark the artist's imagination so that then they'll come and bring, you know, their imagination, mm. part of their selves mm. and part of the story selves, to, sense it, to, to make what you've tried to describe, however clumsily, to make that much better and to add other things to it. Um, Can I ask, like, at the moment we're living in like two different ages. We're living in the, the YouTuber podcast era where it's really hey. easy yeah, to yeah, put yourself in camera and put on the mic <laughs> and for some schmuck to talk, right? So yeah. everybody's doing it. We're also living in an age where lots of comic book um, properties have been snapped up by people like Netflix and Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts. The Umbrella Academy is the best example of the newest thing. Yeah. Um, do you think this sparks creativity with people to make physical art or do you think they would have, I mean, what I mean is do you think like an, an independent artist would be like oh Netflix are after comic books let's get to work or do you think they'd be like oh it's really easy to jump on YouTube and make something that I don't make with my hands you know well I, th- I think um, I think to a certain degree it shows that you know going back to talking about creator own comics mm. it shows that you could there are other avenues to make your creations successful um, thirty you know twenty thirty years ago um, that that sort of through line from something like that was not as accessible um, you know most of us would be perhaps thirty years ago you know the the, the further you go back the the less creator owned stuff was you know mm-hmm. uh you know in infamous infame infamously you know seagull and sush can't say that <laughs> superman S- yeah the superman creators uh <laughs> you know infamously never owned superman so they never got any money uh i think they were compensated further down the line because of the fan outcry but you know they they infamously never got a single dime from superman apart from writing the scripts and being paid for the scripts or whatever um so now people i think can see uh that you know you could do a creator own comic the buck doesn't just stop at the page and that's it so there are other avenues so i I think it encourages more people to go down an alternative route rather than just having aspirations of say working for marvel or dc or something like that um so yeah that there's positive spins and there's also negative spins. Yeah. I mean, the book I did that came out last year has just been auctioned, and you know it's, it's a delight because it means I get paid again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I really like having money. <laughs> I, want, I want more of it. I've got two children that eat all the time, uh, and uh, you know I, I like to be able to feed them at least three times a day. Um, so you that know, much? at least three times Why? a day. Okay. Yeah. Very generous. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they live on those stairs, but you know. Um, so the, the opportunity to do one job that gets you paid more than once is mm. is a really good thing. Um, I think when I was a sort of sixteen year old 
punk, I would have like you know, sneered down my nose at me for selling out or something. But, <laughs> but now I would love to have the opportunity to sell out further. <laughs> I, th- I think, I, th- I think, I think the problem with the, with with what's being, shall we say, bought up primarily is I think the general public see the latest you know Marvel movie yeah. or whatever or or Umbrella Academy even something like that you, you just mentioned um, and and the general public just assume that all make all comics are therefore superhero comics yeah. yes because you know those are the big successes yeah even though Umbrella Academy isn't Marvel or whatever it's still basically superheroes and you know and and then the the properties that do come out that aren't based on superheroes that are you know whether it's hellboy or obviously the walking dead or even something like ghost world or i don't history of violence uh, which john created um a lot of most people don't even know their comics see there's the irony there i mean i for me personally my my you know if i meet somebody that's heard of the walking dead generally it's through the tv show and then you have to explain yeah, that yeah. do you realize it was a comic <laughs> you know a tv show for me so what about when they take a, a property, say like Dread, um, and they, they, they make your what you've created um, and they, they kind of get it wrong? How does that, how does that feel? Uh, well, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's it wrong. <laughs> is I mean, that saying they've got it wrong? There are two different versions of the statement there. Yeah. It's disappointing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the money sort of soothes a lot of that, <laughs> yeah. uh, like the, the first uh, Dread film helped me buy my house uh, and so I appreciated it for that and I would never criticise Stallone even though I thought the film was crap <laughs> it wasn't his fault uh, and the, the second film which I was actually a consultant on uh, although they had like a fifth of the budget, it actually was uh, a credible film about mm. dread, mm. which the first one dread. wasn't. The mm. uh, first one had a lot more money. It had really good production values, but the, the story was nonsense. So I, I was quite pleased by what they came up with on the second. It's good that you got a second bite of the. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, the first film kind of screwed the pitch for it, so there wasn't the ready audience for it. Mm -hmm. Although in DVD sales afterwards, I think it just about made its money back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and for those of you that don't have a hit TV series or movie, (laughs) (laughs) yes, yet, yes. Yes. Uh, Say Netflix come up to you and they said to you, "We're going to give you money to create what you want to do." How much? How much? um, How much money? (laughs) <laughs> how much money this, this, this is a big, big deal, how much it? control would you like to have on, on your on your creation you know? well generally they don't uh, give you that opportunity really it's a question to take the money and run <laughs> yeah basically uh, uh, sometimes they do if you're a big enough name I imagine somebody like Alan Moore would be able to dictate or J.K. Rowling obviously has a big say yeah. But they don't want to hear from me, and to be honest, I don't really want to hear from them except the checks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and how much do how much the how high does the price get before you say <laughs> Okay, take my idea. Do what you want with it, Netflix. You One know? million pounds. <laughs> it's got to be fairly high. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't do it for peanuts. Well, the, the problem is, though, if you... Uh, and, you know, I obviously know from... Not my experience, but obviously Robert Kirkman, who obviously writes The Walking Dead, he's got himself... Yeah, he's very involved with the production of the TV show. The, the downside to being really involved, and I think, you know, I know Mike Mignola fairly well as well from obviously Hellboy as well, and, and Mike got himself really intimately involved with, you know, all, all, all the films that have coming out, you know, mm. um, that have come out, and that is obviously coming out next month, I think, isn't next it? Next month, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, the problem with that is you run the risk of, if it's a failure, or it's really rubbish, you know, you're to blame as much as anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you can, well, yeah. like, like pretty much me and John, just back away and go, yeah, the money's great, you know. We, yeah. we, we at least can be in that nice position and go, hey, well, you can still read the comic book, which is what we yeah. do. If you they know, have any that's... sense in any case, they'll see there's a reason why the comic is popular and why they bought it, and so they'll try and stay true to that. Which is in the case of Dread, what the the, the second film mm. did, yes, and yeah. pretty much with History of Violence, apart from the last act, they stayed pretty true which to. Which is from a different film, it seems. Having yeah, been totally, <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite odd that last time, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It was. I was well, say no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll quickly, like round the room. Is there a favourite character, whether it's yours or whether it's somebody else's, that, that you just love to draw? Is there somebody that you just really like to do? You know? oh, I'd love to do a Doctor Strange. You'd be good on that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that'd I mean, suit like, you, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of, I've been offered a lot of, I've been offered a lot of Marvel gigs in the last sort of like four, five months after Black Bolt won and eyes there, me and the, me and the, the writer. Um, so they've offered me quite a few things, but I'd already made the decision that I was coming back to create our own because of the freedoms and the kind of being able to create your own characters and that that's kind of what I want to do for the time being. Um, so they've offered me a few things that I've, I've said no to, but Doctor Strange would be a hard one to say no to, I think. If I'm not going to do Create Our Own, that's, that's what I'd like. To you're listening, Marvel. Yeah, you're listening. You're listening, Marvel. There you go. Who would you like to work with as a writer on that? Or would you write it yourself as well? Uh, oh no, I think I'd no, I think I'd want to have someone write it for me. It's all coming like, together <laughs> by the hoary hosts of Hogarth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to do strangers like a, a grumpy Scotsman. I think that'd be quite. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a grumpy. Scotsman. <laughs> I can, yeah, Actually, there's probably somebody here who can do a grumpy Scotsman better than me. <laughs> 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 Who do you mean? <laughs> Have you got someone? Oh, I'd, I'd love to be able to draw any character <laughs> recognisable as the character, frankly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlie. Uh, oh, um, I mean, it's 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 a fairly simple answer, which is I'd I'd you know I just rather I'd like to draw just create something else my own characters um, but if you did twist my arm I do have a very fond spot for Doctor Doom yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I'd love to draw Doctor Doom but in his sort of gothic glory 
none of this sort of different none of this kind of what they've well not what well, i'm that familiar with how they've handled the character of late but uh i'd like to take him back to you know the sort of the 60s and 70s style doom yeah brooding his Latvarian in his, roots yeah brooding in his castle <laughs> being all very gothic and uh yeah I, I just think he's a more complex character than 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 he's being given the benefit for and mm. uh, he's not going to be throwing anyone on Twitter, though. He will be controlling Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But really, to be honest, it's uh, you know, it's very nice to speak from a little ivory castle of The Walking Dead. But you know, having you get a lot of license to mess around with the, the zombies and the walkers, and you know, you get to make these creations anyway. So it's yeah, just, but it's just nice, you know, just it was just to get the opportunity to do more of that—not zombies, but more of just creating your own yeah. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. simple as that. You can't, you can't beat that. You really can't beat that. Fantastic. Yeah. I really like drawing the Incredible Hulk, but playing musical instruments. <laughs> 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 I did, um, uh, Oh, imagine with a ukulele. Yes. I'd like to do a little um, a little musical Hulk story, I think. Fantastic. The musical. Hulk the musical. He's just trying to find inner peace. It'd be the opposite to you know the Bugs Bunny, famous Bugs Bunny scene of <laughs> Hulk with a piano. Yeah, I do that. John? Well, I like Charlie, I prefer to create my own stories I feel much happier writing them stories that I make the rules up on, not somebody else's rules but if there was one character I would like to write it's Uncle Scrooge (laughs) (laughs) because I I feel a real connection being a Scottish duck (laughs) and I've always enjoyed him Fantastic Well, um, if I had a choice um, I'd love to do an Etrick and the Demon story, um, right and draw it, because I've I'm always agree. loved that character. <laughs> you, know, you don't know Etrick and the Demon? Yeah. Oh, you need, you, you need to check out Alan Grant's run on that. Yeah, he had a great run on that, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Yeah, mm. it was it, it's a fantastic run. And it, he's a rhymer, so he's a demon, and he, all his speeches in rhyme. Originally created by Jack Kirby, actually. Um, but he's a really interesting character with lots of dark humour. Well, especially when the way Alan writes him, there's a lot of dark humour in there. Really well developed su- supporting cast. And I'd love to go into that world and do a story about Etrigan. <laughs> okay, so thank you for that, guys. By the way, um, let's talk about the back to the the, the festival because mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. What are you guys looking forward to? What, what would you and what would you like to see at the festival? Mm. Lots uh, of people. Oof. Yes, yes. I'd like to see strong people. Yeah. And yeah. people having a really good time. Yes. I want to see a Charles Darwin zombie leading the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see kids. Lots yeah. of kids. kids as well. yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of young people. Because uh, the industry we do work in tends to be very much this fanish industry. Uh, full of people mm. our age yeah. uh, and you do sometimes think hang on you know weren't comics meant to be for kids at one point you mm. know I mean I'm a firm believer comics should be for everybody anyway there should be kids comics there should be adult comics and and mm. they shouldn't be a, 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 a kind of you know they should both be welcome 
Um, well, it's but, like uh, cinema, isn't it? Yeah, not every exactly. film is a horror film. No, precisely. Yeah, well, yeah. which is what leads me back to what I was saying about you know um, Marvel and DC and the films. You know, those films give the people, the general public, the impression that American comics, anyway, are just superhero comics, and you know, you want we want to break that myth. Mm. And uh, what can we do to to illustrate that? What can we do? As far as the festival goes, sorry, Robbie, go on. Oh, but no, I was just going to say, you just have to put out as many different stories yeah. and yeah. as many different genres as mm. possible. Yeah. As and the, well, that, and, and the publishers need to get behind those. Yeah. Well, exactly. Or perhaps look for different publishers who are more willing but still have a reach beyond traditional comic book. Um, avenues uh, to get your creation seen by the people who wouldn't normally pick up. You know, you, all you have to do is to go 21 miles across the English Channel to see how a country does it properly. And, yeah. you know, so many people are unaware of the French comic book industry. Um, and it's huge over there. Um, and it's not just... Not just bigger than our industry, um, but it's respected. Yeah, um, that's, that's the, the difference. difference um, it's called yeah. the ninth art over in France, you know. So it's lumped in with painting, sculpture, and whatever the yeah. other six six are. <laughs> <laughs> They're not as important as comics. <laughs> but you know, you just think, wow, you know, and and they have a festival in January at a place called Anglem, which. Is kind of what Comic Salopia is is based on because it's of a similar type, and it's been going for you know forty odd years, and it's grown and grown and grown, grown to the point that there's over over a hundred thousand people go to this place uh, every year, but it's ninety percent is just <clears throat> French comic books, and you know you just think the equivalent that we have to do in well, we just can't match those numbers anywhere, even at an MCM or something yeah. like that in in the UK. But even if you go to America and you go to San Diego Comic Con, which would be the equivalent to Angoulême, to attract the similar amount of people, you have to bring in Hollywood stars and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the difference. So, But I think it's a great gesture towards a town to bring something like this i mean someone like mcm they bring him through the doors but you know it's that money is kept inside that building yes, whereas when yeah. you bring oh, something like this yeah. to shrewsbury people are going to cafes they're both yeah. buying things in stores and they're walking around and that's the difference with a festival that is the difference with a festival you know the festival brings something to the town yeah. it doesn't just live in a building somewhere you know creating its own wealth yeah, you know, quite the opposite. You know, it's, it's sharing that wealth and that income that people bring into the town, and we want to support the town. Um, you, you can't have a successful festival without making the whole town part of it, mm. um, and that's that's what the plan is. You know, that's why we're doing things like uh, the free kids workshops at the library. Why we're doing the, the the zombie walk through the street? Why we're getting shops involved doing workshops? Local podcasters, well, um, yes, <laughs> indeed, yes, indeed, yeah. And go back to your other question about you know what can we do? Um, I think as far as the festival goes, it's our duty to just show people the the breadth of comics that are out there yeah. by inviting you know varied guests from all different parts of the industry, from all different parts of the world, and allowing um, publishers and self-publishers to get their stuff out there 
to be seen by the general public rather than locking it away in a room where only people who are generally not interested in other comics yeah. you know most fans who come to a comic con they're very narrow they know exactly what they want and they just hone in on the, mm. that guest or that publisher mm. and they're not really interested in looking around general public are different um the general public don't have all those preconceptions yeah, believe cruise. it or not mm. they're just they're just ready to look at everything yeah. if you're curious enough to come to a comics festival chances are you're curious enough to look at everything and that's why it's really important for the uh, the smaller publishers to be involved. I like there's us and the general public. Yes, <laughs> general public, whoever general that may public. be. Yes, that elusive a major thing. thing. Yeah. So, uh, that's the, the 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 plan for the festival is you said you got loads of different locations um, around. Mm -hmm. What what have you got off your, the top of your head? Can you remember what you've got going at different locations? Yeah, the... yeah. I live and breathe at that. Yeah. <laughs> Staring at it. Um, okay, so at the Guildhall, which is the university building, we've got about forty events happening over the weekend, and that's talks, workshops, master classes, seminars, cosmic um, rays. We're not. Oh yes, we are, aren't we? we are yeah, playing, we are yeah, playing yeah. on the. But that's that's, that's a secret. <laughs> oh, oh god. Um, so, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, you're yeah, holding the best bit back until well, last, aren't you? We're, we're just, <laughs> you know, on the Friday. Um, so yeah, um, so that's all happening at the Guild Hall. So that's so all. The building in Frankwell. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, next to the theatre. Right. Um, and it's got great facilities. You know, the AV facilities there and everything. It, there's two really good uh, lecture theatre type rooms, and there's some really obviously there's classrooms there for workshops and masterclasses. Um, so all that's going on, and most of the guests are contributing something to that. Um, and they'll get, there's going to be some really interesting discussion panels as well, a little bit like this, um, but with an audience. Uh, so that'll be fun because uh, this is fun, and. Um, <laughs> And then we've got. <laughs> you didn't make it sound like you. <laughs> you pick up the sarcasm yeah. to the listeners who didn't see his face. Yeah. <laughs> no, he really rolled his eyes. Like massive eye, that Emily Maitlis eye roll. <laughs> and then over at, um, at the library, as I mentioned before, we've got free kids events all weekend, and that's uh, for younger kids. So there's stuff. Uh, we've got DC Thompson, which haven't done a, a con for a long time or a festival, have they, in, the, in England? Uh, it's been a while. I remember the one in '99, um, but it's been a long time since they've actually brought some. You know, we've got the editor of the Beano, John Anderson. He's he's going to do portfolio Peppa reviews. Pig. Peppa Pig, as well, because Reden, who, who no, actual Peppa Pig is going to be the actual Peppa Pig. She the real Peppa Pig. Real Peppa Pig. He's going to be there. Um, so this, 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 you know, there is sandwiches all round. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't get fed up with Peppa Pig at all. It's not in my house constantly. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Peppa Pig's great. Um, so you go from every age group, you know, right up to adult stuff. And then at the Dana, you've got the 2000 AD zone. That's going to be artists and writers from 2000 AD. And there's going to be lots of Judge Dredd stuff going on. And I believe we will be having a screening of the movie. Yeah, I uh, think judges Sunday. are going to be handing out beatings in the prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. Excellent. They are. Which yeah. movie are we going to see? Dread. The second one. The second one, Fantastic. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they accidentally send the print of the first one, I won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and John's kindly going to do us a, a Q&A with that. Oh if he can stay up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll try and keep it reasonably early. It's real bittersweet because yeah. I'm, I'm an actor at the prison. So if anyone, oh. they're going to ask anyone to play Dread, 
They'd ask me. You have to Bobby. shave your beard. Right. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll stay away from that. <laughs> I'll be working anyway. I'm doing some interviews, but I can't wait. Uh, there is an app, isn't there? There is an app for this. There is, yeah. It's called Comic Salopia, strangely enough. Um, available on Apple and... And it's really good, actually. The app is really good. I've, I've got it. I look at it a lot for cool. information. Uh, you guys should all download it. And uh, when is this happening, most importantly? The festival is happening the 1st and 2nd of June. Right across the town in the triangle of basically you've got the, the guild hall the castle of the Dana and the, the square mm. sorry the library and the library and the museum and the and museum, museum. Mm. thank you so you've got that triangle of these three areas of the town and, yeah. it, and it is encompassed within that town centre area yeah. so but it we, really we, does yeah. we do have sorry not to blow my own trumpet yeah, go on Charlie but, uh, <laughs> we do have uh, uh, an exhibition uh, drawn of the dead uh, at the museum, uh, which is an exhibition of obviously my work, but what's really exciting is in the main exhibition space uh, in the museum, it's going to be a proper, uh, um, not interactive, what's the word? Um, immersive, immersive Walking Dead exhibition. So it's mm. not just going to be pictures on the wall. Um, no. Full set. We, yeah, people actually get attacked by zombies. Have to you know, go to bats. hospital. <laughs> yeah, hit with baseball bats quite quite nastily. Yeah, um, but great. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One visitor will yeah. never leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. I've seen I've seen the designs for it, and it's being designed by an actual you know museum. Design. Uh, designer, Design. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and he's it come up some yes, yes, yes. Oh, I haven't seen any of that. I'll have to have uh, that. Too, well, it was in a shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> That's really exotic. This is too small. <laughs> yes. So, this is the actual size, is it? Yes, it's yeah. the size. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Right, before we sign off, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to go out and go around the room. Is there anything that you guys want to plug? Cool. Uh, anything that you're a comic book that you're working on at the moment that you'd like people to be aware? Off. Uh, um, well, my, my latest book, uh, Invisible Kingdom, came at first issue came out last week, so grab that. Dark Horse Comics. Uh, comics wise, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline. One with Charlie and uh, one of an artist called Jeff Senior, but I can't really say much more than that about either of them because <laughs> I like to maintain an enigmatic. <laughs> what would be um, a, a good book for people to pick up to, to, to start? learning about your work what would you suggest for people oh it's got to be white death if you want something grim yes. and serious and yeah. deep <laughs> and meaningful if you want something that's not grim and serious or deep and meaningful go for the adventures of Nikolai Dante because yeah. it's, it's very good yeah, fun it's good. hopefully it's fantastic good. Charlie, you've got anything in the pipeline that isn't Walking Dead? <laughs> uh, well, yes. Um, obviously, what Robbie just yeah. said, that's in the future. Uh, but I'm near completion of book two of a French uh, bon désigné, as they're called in, uh, obviously, <laughs> France, uh, called Vampire State Building. And uh, so I've taken the imaginative leap from zombies to vampires. Uh, and uh, yeah, set obviously in the Empire State Building. So first, it's two books. First book is out actually next month. Um, I've got the first book. Actually, I don't know. Oh, did Jerry give you? Oh, you got. Oh, he gave you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? It's really nice, nicely yeah. done. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, obviously it'll be in French. <laughs> that's the only downside. That is the only problem. Sort of a translated version, now, Charlie. That that's 
there will be i mean i'm assuming somebody will pick it up and translate mm. it for for the uh, english speaking market but um, at the moment it'll just be but we're 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 quite excited over in france about it yeah mm. it's it's i think it's going to get a big push so i'm very very excited Fantastic. but uh, yeah Brilliant. busy busy uh, my um, my book, uh, The Three Rooms in Valerie's Head, uh, which I wrote, Andrew, with David Gaffney. Um, buy that. It's good. Um, <laughs> we're working on a, a follow-up. It's not in the same, you know, it's not a sequel or anything. It's a, another standalone. Uh, we've just uh, signed a deal with Top Shelf to publish that. It's called Rivers, so I've got to draw that now. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a podcast called Make It Then Tell Everybody. Um, interviewed Christian this week. Mm. Yeah, very good. Have a listen to that. Have a listen, yeah. Uh, very Naked. We, we, yeah. We, 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 we were in my sauna. Only one of us was, and you guess which. <laughs> Actually, between us, we made one naked man. One of us was Donald ducking the other one. The, um, why it wasn't <laughs> not consensually filmed. The, uh, I also make pens. Um, so if you go on my website, you can see the the pens that I'm making as well. And I can heartily recommend those pens. Yep. Dan and I sit here very much in this oh, very room. In this very room. I would, before we forget, let I would like to thank the Hive for oh, hosting yes. this podcast yes, as well. We are sat yes. in the performance space of a wonderful place called the Hive, which uh, inspires creativity. Um, I'm I'm very honoured because this year they asked me to be patron of the Hive, uh, first time they've ever they've ever done something like that so uh i've taken this leap from being comics laureate from last year now to being patron of the hive um and i'm looking forward to sort of working with place. them yeah. on stuff and it's a brilliant brilliant place yeah. and if you're into drawing come come along on a tuesday evening we dan and i life draw here in in this very space that I've we're seen sat. some of them they look great lots, yeah. of, lots of nudes it's a really yeah, nice. It it's a really nice life drawing mm. class, actually. I'm due in next week for you to draw. Oh. <laughs> hey, John, are you working on anything at the moment? Uh, I would say if you're coming to Shrewsbury in June, you don't want to go away without a copy of a graphic novel called Rock of the Reds. It's about the uh, first alien footballer, and it's just not to be missed by some unknown writer. <laughs> a bunch of other great creators. If you, you sold me, I'll definitely buy a copy. <laughs> Good. I'm look out for you. Write that down. <laughs> there he is. The guy with the hair. You, come here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, are you working on anything other than the festival at the moment? Are you um, other than an album uh, with Charlie uh, oh. and our other two uh, collaborators. Um, we're finishing off the... Uh, Cosmic Ray's second album at the moment, and which will be out well when we get it done. I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, the get the tracks done. are recorded. We've got a little bit of. We've just got to mix it. A bit of mixing, a, a, some backing vocals to record, which I think we're recording in June. And we've got to design a cover. Design a cover. Yeah. yeah. So it will have an exclusive Charlie Adler artwork on the cover. Um, but it's a very eclectic album. We're very proud of it. Mm. We are, aren't we? Generally proud of oh, this uh, it's, album. Oh, it's it's a distinct. Uh, no offence, Phil, if you're listening. If you ever do listen to this, <laughs> it's a distinct leap from uh, from from the first one. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is. It's, it's a, a lot more. 
There's a lot more going on. There's a lot, a lot more variance to the styles. I was very pleasantly yeah. surprised when I listened to the music. I mean, so I, we get that. Thank you. No, I'm, 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 I was <laughs> expecting it to be rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be honest. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's cringy. But yeah. no, it's not. It's really good. I really do enjoy it. My favourite review we ever got for it was actually not shit. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was good. I was really happy with that. <laughs> oh, Damn by faint praise. I love it. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much for sitting with us and, and, and talking it's been really good actually it's gone flown by it's half eight already yeah, that's gone really, really quick really actually, quick yeah. um, I hope you guys uh, that are listening do uh, download the app the Comic Salopia app it's got all the dates on there all the all the artists that are attending and uh, there's like lots of information about what's happening and where so it's the easiest way to find out where you're going to be going and um, yeah it's been brilliant thank you very very much and, thank you. Uh, yep. Thank cheers. You. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank, thank you. And thank you, Dan, for the equipment. <laughs> well. yes. Start clapping. <laughs> 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 thank you, guys. Thank you. Nice one.